Thank you so much for listening to Honestly Unorthodox. If you've ever thought about starting your own podcast, but just don't know where to start, have no fear. Pretty Easy Podcast is here to get your podcast off the ground and sounding great at an extremely affordable rate. Pretty Easy Podcast helps new and seasoned podcasters by providing production, editing, and podcast management assistance. With Pretty Easy Podcasts, you can focus on your show's content while having a reliable tag team partner handle any and all of the technical aspects of podcasting to help your show sound great. As someone who clearly loves to hear themselves speak, I am completely uninterested in learning all of the mechanics of the technicalities of podcasting, the editing, and even the uploading of certain digital material that's needed to make this podcast sound as great as it does. And Pretty Easy Podcast has taken care of all of that for me, and they continue to indulge my love for getting all of this information out to you without any stress and any concern. You can go to prettyeasypodcast.com and get started today. Working with Alan and Melissa really has helped me avoid these roadblocks that so many podcasters run into with the recording, the editing, the feed management. Whether you're new to it or you already have a show, going to prettyeasypodcast.com really makes podcasting just that. Pretty easy. And now, let's get to the show. He who fights monsters should look to it that he himself does not become a monster. I am on the unfettered pursuit of truth. I'm Kayla Perry, and this is Honestly Unorthodox. Welcome back to Honestly Unorthodox. I have a very special guest today, a friend, a colleague, someone I have called 18 different nicknames, but you know what? For today, her name is just going to be Mariel the BCBA. Mariel, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me and getting me to wake up super early on a Sunday morning. Mariel, where do you live? California. You're in California. So you are in what has been called the largest outdoor insane asylum in the country. Says who? Who said that? I've never heard that. (laughs) Well, when I say what people have called, I'm like, I call it that. Exactly. That's what I thought. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you and me have talked before we started recording. We talk all the time, but we started talking about Barbie in the last few days, I was actually texting you while I was in the theater watching Barbie about what an insanely woke piece of trash it was. However, I vaguely remember the first like 45 minutes or so was actually really good. Didn't I tell you that? You did. Yeah. I can't remember exactly what I said, but it was very... Do you want me to they pull it stuck- up? <laughs> Go for it. We're going to do some <laughs> discovery right now. We're going to read the text that I sent Mary while I was in my reclining chair. Give me like 45 years to scroll up. When did that movie come out? July 24th. I love that you know that. That was, I know, because I saw it on TV and I was waiting for the date because silly old me thought that Barbie would be an actual Barbie movie. Not geared towards children at all. It was full on, and I think I mentioned this in my manifesto of text to you, Mm -hmm. it was all about making Barbie out to be 
this basically Oppenheimer atom bomb that destroyed what it meant to be a woman for other women. And that was the whole premise of the movie was Barbie had these unattainable beauty standards and she ruined the real reason, the, the real meaning of feminism. And she was also what, what phrase did they use in the movie? Um, it was her that contributed to sexualized capitalism or, or some ridiculous garbage like that. Did they actually say that? Yes, they like, literally verbatim. That's what they said in the movie. And these things were all said by a teenage girl who was like 17. She just was just your typical angsty teenager that hated herself and life and everything around it. But unlike you and me, when we were teenagers who were just moody for no reason at all, this teenager in the movie called Barbie a fascist. Oh, you know, this is actually a really great conversation. because I've never seen the Barbie movie. Yeah, good. (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen it. All I see is like the uproar that's happening online. Um, Yeah. And honestly, like based on the trailer, I thought it was just going to be like a regular like Barbie movie. Me too. Me too. And I was never big on Barbies when I was a kid. Were you? No. I know you're giving me a look. Like, do I look like I played with Barbies? Do I look like I played with Barbies? Hell no. No. Me me and Mariel are uh, masculine women, and we didn't play with Barbies, but they were still a part of being a little girl, and it seemed kind of fun and cute. And the the only positive thing about the movie was the colors. And the the way it was filmed. So, like, the artistry of how it was filmed was very pretty. Yeah, it looks very psychedelic. It's very bright colors. Yes, very bright, yeah. super vibrant. Was a lot of fun to look at. The outfits are fun. I imagine that next month, wait, August, September, in two months, mm-hmm. there will be a million girls dressing like Barbie or pulling outfits from that movie, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, for, maybe for Halloween. Yeah. 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 Or just their everyday life. Yeah. Uh, so I found I found the text messages. Okay. Just read me my first. Read me my first positive text before a, the movie took a turn for me. Uh, you sure? <laughs> no, first Go second. for it. <laughs> Am I allowed to curse on this podcast? Is that a fucking joke or? Uh, great. <laughs> Thank you for breaking the ice. All right. You're welcome. So, you movie started probably at around twelve, and mm-hmm. and at twelve twenty four, you sent me. Okay. Holy fuck! I can't wait to tell you about this and write about it. I'm obsessed already. And of course, they're now talking about patriarchy. <laughs> Oh, that you you sent me that, and of course they're now talking about the patriarchy at twelve forty. So you see, it took all of fifteen minutes <laughs> for the movie to go south. Yep, and you said they were on a roll without any woke shit. <laughs> they were. It, 
it it went so quickly from childhood innocence to oh barbie's so pretty and look at the little girls playing with dolls and uh you know barbie land it's so cute she's you see her under this shower but there's obviously no water coming out because she's a doll so oh she kind of (laughs) yeah she pretends to shower and then all of a sudden basically she snaps her fingers and blinks and she is dressed to the nines in this beautiful little barbie outfit when she goes to make her breakfast she just holds her plate out and a beautiful waffle spins out of the toaster and lands perfectly on her plate but she doesn't eat it again because she's a doll so that part was kind of fun because you're like wow margot robbie who arguably is one of the most beautiful women in the world is she literally looks exactly like barbie and that was kind of part of the appeal of it for me but it just got so ridiculous so quickly and then once they broke the seal of patriarchy they literally never stopped talking about it oh see i I asked related go for it you asked other people about the movie yeah um and kind of like what is why is it so controversial and one of them said that it's because they were flipping the script yes so that was a big premise within barbie so barbie land is run entirely by barbies and all of the women in barbie land are named barbie they don't have any of their own names i don't think except for maybe a couple of them which were supposed to be limited edition barbies and so they ran barbie land all of the supreme court they show them in these hot pink outfits with these hot pink gavels and gowns so literally every job is is held by a Barbie. So, you know, lawyer, doctor, traditionally male jobs held by Barbies. When Barbie goes to the real world, they portray the real world as there are no female doctors. There are no female lawyers. There is no, there's no way a woman could stand in the Supreme court. Women can't do anything is basically what the message of the real world. Okay. Yeah. And then in terms of the flipping the script part, Ken goes to the real world with Barbie. He says, wow, patriarchy is amazing. And he tries to bring the patriarchy back to Barbie <laughs> land because he, he thinks like, wow, all of the Barbies are in control over here. We need to make this kendom. That's what he calls it. So instead of kingdom, it's now kendom. And he just starts completely overtaking Barbie land which is obviously quite upsetting for all of the Barbies. Okay. 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 So you could see where this really, it's not a childhood. This isn't a movie (laughs) aimed at children. I just, (laughs) no, not at all. Somewhat related to what we're, the the bulk of what we're going to talk about today is they really wanted to make sure that they hit on all of the disability markers and diversity markers for Barbie. So there was a trans Barbie. There was a wheelchair Barbie. There was prosthetic limb Barbie. There was like a bigger heavyset Barbie. There were, there were Barbies of 
they looked so intentionally placed. Oh, wow. Of course, the wheelchair Barbie is at the front of the dance party and they're excessively focusing on wheelchair Barbie. And I just wonder, because this this goes to the whole representation argument. People say, oh, you know, Barbie is blonde and beautiful and blue eyed and white. She what about she doesn't represent minorities. What would having a wheelchair Barbie do for someone in a wheelchair? Well, they'll probably say something along the lines of, um, I've never seen myself rep in media before. True. It feels good. Yeah. That's that's usually what I hear when there is some kind of representation. I'm like, oh, I've never seen myself represented before. How many of us have, even those without, I don't even know how to phrase this. I don't, I don't need to see a Barbie in a sling for me to feel <laughs> validated or like for, for me to feel better about, you know, all of this going on right now. So, or when I was in treatment of something a little bit more severe, I didn't need to see anorexic Barbie to make me feel any differently about myself. Now it could be argued, Kayla, you're older and more mature that that's plausible, but I still am having trouble understanding this whole idea of representation and why we feel like we need to be noticed all of the time. Well, does it have to be all of the time? What if it's just like, Oh, like this sliver of media is like, Oh, I, I get to be, scene because i'm yeah like i mean me being a person of color i oh i can relate to that what no i i just i said oh boy because i was excited to hear what you were gonna say next oh okay i was like i thought after you were you gonna have something <laughs> snarky no after you dropped poc i was like okay baby here we go I mean, I understand the the sentiment behind, um, especially behind it. Like, I, I understand the sentiment behind it, especially for, <laughs> I'm going to be hitting so many, like, buzzwords today. <laughs> cool. <laughs> well, <clears throat> I'm also an immigrant. Woohoo! Mm-hmm. So you're okay. Really quick, Muriel, you have just uh risen to the top of pretty much any social chattering class you could possibly imagine. You are a person of color and you are an immigrant. I mean, wow. Uh Continue. Yeah, I am pretty great that way. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I know, right? What is it? What do you call it? Um, Moral superiority or something like that? Oh yeah, there there is no there is no superior force to you being you're you're already at the double whammy of POC immigrant. Now, yeah. if we could just work on you either having a disability or being, I don't know, maybe like a lesbian, you're set for life. Well, how do you not know? I'm not any True. of those. I don't. I think did yeah. I just um did I just assume your sexuality? I think I might have. Anyway. <laughs> I'm in a fiery mood today, listeners. You are. Okay. Anyway. 
we're going off tangent so much. Hold on. What is my original point? You said you were an immigrant. So you were, you understand the sentiment of. um, Yes. Yes. Diversifying. Yes. Um, Especially, I guess, for people wanting to be, I guess, part of a certain group. So Mm -hmm. um, the main thing that, like, the main thing that's coming up is actors or, you know, actors, entertainers, creatives. Uh, they always mm-hmm. say that, like, oh, growing up, I nev- I've never seen myself on stage before. And mm. also, like, a person of color, an immigrant, you know, who's assimilating into this new country. Yeah. You, you, want, you want to fit in. Mm-hmm. So seeing someone that kind of looks like you, you're like, oh, I get, I can fit in. Like, I don't have to be, I don't have to stick out because I'm different. Mm. Got it. Yeah. That makes more sense. I can, I could appreciate that. I am not an immigrant. I've never lived anywhere but the U.S. I could imagine that depending on where you come from, I mean, anywhere you come from, it's going to be a culture shock coming from anywhere, literally anywhere else to the yeah. United States. The, the exception might be maybe Canada to the United States, but even then there's some there's some real wacky stuff going on in Canada. So that's an entirely separate thing. So I, I can appreciate the struggle of trying to figure out American life and culture and the dynamic of what it means to be in America, especially if you're coming from a more collectivistic country. I can imagine that that's hugely intimidating coming here and seeing, you know, this dog eat dog type of culture. Oh yeah. I'm still very much struggling between finding the balance of growing up with like a collectivist mindset into the kind of like thinking for yourself too. So tell everybody where you, uh, where you immigrated from Philippines. The Philippines, you came a far, far distance. I did. Why did your parents want to come here? Uh, you know, it's a good question. I'd probably say, I mean, the thing they always say is for a better life. They want that mm-hmm. American dream, whatever that is. Yeah. Have you guys, have your parents ever spoken about figuring out what that American dream is? Do they feel like they have it, you think? I want to say that they have it. I feel like they're living their American dream. Mm-hmm. Um, cause okay. let's, yeah, I mean, wow, four years ago, it's been four years since, uh, four years ago was when we bought our own house. And my mom would talk about how this is like her dream house, checks all the boxes of how she envisioned it. So Mm -hmm. I would say for 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 my parents, yeah, they're for sure living that dream. I mean, all of their kids are now grownups, college graduates. Uh, Mm -hmm. two, Two of us went to grad school. One is 
trying to get into optometry school. So from their eyes, yeah, we're successful, all these things. They're living it. Yeah. Yeah, they really are hitting all the markers of, I guess, what will be considered American success. So your family's success here, how would that be perceived in the Philippines? Or would that have ever been possible in the Philippines? I don't know. I really don't. I would actually occasionally imagine what my life would have been if we didn't move. Because I feel like I would have been working overseas. Because of not many opportunities in the Philippines or? It's not that not many opportunities. It's just it's better pay overseas. Okay. Yeah. Is that typical? People living in the Philippines tend to work overseas and. Oh, yeah. I mean. Huh. Yeah. Like um, they would say that the Philippines like greatest like export product is workers because oh. so many Filipinos uh, work overseas. That's kind of sad, actually, the way it's worded like that. It is. It is. That's, oh. yeah. I can't even imagine myself, like, sometimes I think about, like, how do you actually make money there? Like, is it possible yeah. to live comfortably, whatever that means? in the Philippines without having yeah. to work overseas. Or without having to work obscene hours. I mean, my, yeah. so Dylan's dad's current wife, she's, uh, she's from Thailand and she used to, she's here now. Uh, they went through the whole green card process, but when they were dating, she would, she would have 15, 16 hour days and she would make, like five dollars because oh, yeah. she would just make thousands of crepes these little like i don't know the name for them out there but she, and it wasn't even like a stand it literally was a table that was taped together just that she had to move from street to street to street and it was a one woman operation and to work that much and make so little i don't know how anybody is able to live independently anywhere yeah it's hard <laughs> This show was produced by Pretty Easy Podcasts and made possible by listeners like you. If you ever thought of doing your own podcast, please visit prettyeasypodcasts.com.